so many financial contracts and an entirely different landscape for retirement. Today, we have someone with professional experience on multiple levels. We have Suzanne Norman. Welcome, Suzanne. She is an education fellow for the Alliance for Lifetime Income. Welcome to Jay's Corner. My name is Jay O. I am a certified financial planner. I'm also the author of Maximizer Medicare, the published book. Jay's Corner is there to try to explain how certain financial matters work, to try to help you separate the signal from the noise, so that when something changes, you're not distracted wrongly, and instead, keep your eyes on the ball, which is tough to do given the way that we are given information. There's a free and paid newsletter. Go to jo.substack.com. There are two YouTube channels, Jay's Corner, as well as Maximize Your Medicare. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you digest your podcast. Be sure to leave your comments. Let's begin. So many financial contracts and an entirely different landscape for retirement. Today, we have someone with professional experience on multiple levels. We have Suzanne Norman. Welcome, Suzanne. She is an education fellow for the Alliance for Lifetime Income and also expert with a wealth of experience from different levels in financial services. Welcome. Thanks, Jay. Great to be here. Today, we're going to talk about annuities. Let's start at annuities. And you had the greatest comments. You know, there's a lot of negative talk about annuities. And you can just recount how many conversations, you know, I don't like annuities. I don't like annuities. Mm -hmm. What's your first reaction? Well, I liken it to having been in the, you know, the industry for 30 years and, and loving the ability to learn all sorts of new things. That's one of the most exciting things about the innovation. But the point I make when somebody says out of hand, I hate stocks, my <laughs> answer is always going to be all of them. Um, right. And and of course, you know, being a coach, I'm always curious, you know, because there's got to be something that's forming that perspective. So connecting back to your comment, which is it's it happens probably more frequently than someone says saying I hate stocks, but someone out of hand saying I you know hate annuities, whether that be an investor or a financial professional. And again, my my question is always you know which which ones because it's like that example. It's you know you got a lot of stocks out there. You also have a lot of types of annuities. So and I don't know that people understand them. And we're not going to you know discuss every different type. It's more about, you know, kind of the education and whether or not we're doing a good job about explaining. So from your perspective and, you know, Alliance for Lifetime Income, and we can talk about them or your role in them, whichever way you want to go, but just generally speaking, how would you rate, you know, from a scale of zero to 10 of annuity providers, advisors, planners in helping people understand how annuities work. First, let's start there. How how would you rate the quality of education that's out there? It's confusing. And I think a lot of it was back to the lack of financial kind of literacy that, that most people have. We don't necessarily get an education in this country. Um, we might be lucky enough to have chosen to be in an industry that gives us an education, but most people, you know, kind of DIY it. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is that because annuities are a legal contract. There's a lot more that goes into them um, mm. as a, you know, a practitioner, you know, who someone who doesn't advise anymore, but, but did. Um, there's a lot to know. There's a lot, you know, you might get a prospectus that's, you know, 120 pages. You might For get sure. a contract. Sure. So if Jay, you know, you're my client um, and I go through this learning process to figure out, you know, what kind is, is going to serve Jay's needs, right? Because of course, like any investment, you know, what are your objectives? And what tools do I have as a practitioner that can help you achieve them? But the annuity contract itself is is long um, because there are guarantees. And really at the core, I think, you know, when I think about annuities, it's it's an income stream. And that's where it started. You know, I mean, we could say a thousand years ago. Um, so they're they've been around a long time. I think the innovation, the industry probably added to a little of the complication and misunderstanding um, because mm -hmm. it, it used to be pretty straightforward. You know, you give an insurance company, maybe through a financial advisor, 
an insurance licensed financial advisor, um, a lump sum of money, and in return, you get a payment stream for life. I mean, that's kind of the basic concept of an annuity. But adding a lot of different, you know, enhancements, we'll call them, added to this confusion, um, especially by financial practitioners who said, I've got to know all these other things. And I don't necessarily have as many clients that I'm serving that have income needs. But as we look at this peak 65, you know, a, a term that was coined by Jason Fickner, who leads the Retirement Income Institute, where I'm a fellow, um, there is a wave of people coming and, and everyone knows that, right? So you've got people coming into retirement that may not necessarily have saved enough money. They might be, you know, relying on social security. I don't know that that's going to take everybody through retirement. Um, they may not have any pensions um, to draw from. So the annuity need is really much more um, front and center in conversation. So I think advisors are, are picking up on that. Do you think that you're, when you're employed, a full, you're, contributing perhaps employer match on 401k and now your know, rules have changed in terms of accessibility to annuities inside the 401k for mm -hmm. example how much of you know like you pointed out the function i think is very well stated which is you're giving you're depositing money for x period and turning it into a lifetime stream of income that is mm -hmm. a particular function which is quite a bit different than your overall financial advisory, financial, you know, instrument information where we get told of, you know, growth and, you know, I bought, you know, Amazon at a dollar a share or something like that and mm -hmm. stocks for the long run, this kind of thing. Do you think that we ourselves in the financial industry or what can we do to improve our communication or questioning conversations with end clients along the, these lines? Yeah, I think it comes back to that ability to be in a constant learning mode because just because this is the way we've always done it mm -hmm. <laughs> doesn't right. speak to the need of the client that may say, yes, Jay, you know, as my, you know, Suzanne's the client, Jay's the advisor, you have taken me through my earning years, right? So I've, I've had a great career. I've been able to accumulate money. I'm grateful for the advice that you gave me on how I could, I could invest it properly and grow it and accumulate it. But now that becomes my pot of gold that I need to draw from. And, and I hate to, you know, reference this because, you know, I, I, it's not a fun experience to have, but for anyone who's actually been unemployed and didn't have that constant paycheck coming in, that's what retirement's about, right? Meaning, you know, you're not assuming you're not working, right? Where, you know, you've got to figure out how am I going to continue to pay, you know, a mortgage or rent or, you know, utilities, groceries, and, the advisor that looks through that lens and is curious about that lived experience for an older person, I'm 56. So this is certainly on my mind all the time. I live it, of course, with the consulting work I do and the coaching. But I think the advisors out there are also aging. So I think this is on their minds sure. as well. But I think coming at it from the perspective that we are in a, in a shift, right? Where it's, and it's also, I always say life is an and not an or this binary nature of, Oh, annuities. Well, that's not the only investment you're going to, you're going to make, right. You're going to continue to have, you already mentioned, you know, an Amazon story where, you know, you've got a stock that has growth potential, you know, and, and maybe, you know, it's going to raise its dividend. So the point I make is, or, or the bottom line with the financial advisory industry, helping serve clients, is recognizing that the needs are shifting and that liability management of making sure that there is a secure retirement income stream is is happening more and more. Do you think that clients quickly enough, people enough, you, you mentioned, you know, your age and let's call it, gen, you know, what is it, Gen X? I, I am Gen X. <laughs> I, I don't know the, what the I'm labels sort are. I'm on the cusp, but yeah, I'm Gen X, yeah. <laughs> let's just call it that, right? Yeah. I mean, at least you took out your telescope and you can see a retirement age at some point, mm -hmm. right? And not today, of course, but that at some point, the transition from accumulating, you you of course can you know earn an income, but at that point, it's a different mindset, if you will, mm -hmm. right? from 
get me to the best, fast track my career, get me to the spot I want, get a house, you know, have my savings, et cetera, et cetera. But then shifting from that to orderly liquidation, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. Is this conversation well had from your point from, a, I mean, you've experienced in, you know, large companies, large employers. Mm -hmm. Is this, how do you think this education, uh, you know, is it is it well provided? Is it not? Is it just us talking about it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I I'm not I'm I'm hoping that it's getting better and and you know sort of looking through the lens again of someone who is you know working for either you know the government um, or you know corporate you know whatever role you know you have where there's there's more of a structure. I think there's better education. Um, in fact, I, I, you know, have kind of rewired myself as, as you know, last year. Mm. So I'm, I'm, you know, now in my sort of next, next um, chapter, but I did keep my money at my former employer, Milliman, um, in their 401k. And so I think a lot of companies are really good about the consumer investor education now. Of course, they can't give advice. So that I think was right. one of the gaps that existed for many years is that, you know, how do you walk that line of helping employees actually right. understand what they're investing in without giving advice. But I do believe that the financial wellness kind of um, direction that a lot of, of companies are taking now has helped a lot. <clears throat> but as far as helping someone construct and put together what an income stream looks like for them in retirement is, is I think we're still in early days. Because if you look at the stats, we talked about this before, that you know, generally speaking, formal plans, at least from a financial advisor or financial professional standpoint, most clients are reporting they're only doing only about 10% are doing a formal plan. And so without doing some projections on where, you know, how much money you have, how that's going to ge generate income for you, I, I don't think we're seeing enough of that happening. And that's absent that. Right. So like, like you pointed out, at the large employers, they're not able to give that type of, not that granular per person, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's more general statistics about here's your balance. And you did mention, however, that a summary statistic is available to you. Mm -hmm. on your for your yeah, specific I, one. I, 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 I should point out that one of the things um, that has happened lately is um, through regulatory changes that now most 401k or 457, you know, a defined contribution type, mm -hmm. you know, employer match scenario, however you're, you're calling it, um, will actually now show you on your statement what that lump sum amount looks like as a picture that day, right? So, you know, if right, I look sure. at my statement, I can see a value, right? Which yep. we all know where we are in the markets now. There's some there are variations, but that day when they took the snapshot on the value, they're now translating that into what that income would look like for me monthly when I retire at 65. So it gives you a sense, much like if, if you, you know, hopefully everybody has signed up for their social security statements, right? Which now it's online, so you have right. to do it yourself, but the point, it's not coming in the mail. But seeing what that income stream looks like. <clears throat> and one thing that I, I did want to mention, which, of course, the work that I do with the Alliance for Lifetime Income and the Retirement Income Institute, there's a, there's a financial um, tool free that I actually worked on um, uh, when I was at Milliman. It was developed. Oh, by Milliman. It's called the RISE score. And I point it out only because what I love about this, you know, it's fintech, right? But it's easy fintech. It's designed right. with a very easy user interface, just a few inputs, um, and no one's tracking this information, right? So it's just for you. But it translates in, into what looks like a credit score. So you hmm. can just plug in, you know, where your sources of income are coming from because it's the Retirement Income Security Evaluation Score. It's a mouthful. So that's why it's called RISE. RISE, right. <laughs> but, but, I, but I love to point it out because it's one of the few, play, few tools that I've seen that allow you to kind of get a picture, again, a snapshot today of am I on track? Because formal plans are wonderful. And if you have a complex financial life, you know, I everyone should have one, right? But sometimes maybe it's not that complex or maybe you're just trying to get a, a feel. Um, and so I, I do think that that's very helpful for people. I think it's important and maybe you can make a suggestion, et cetera. How hard is a consumer supposed to squint at these numbers? Because for example, you we talked about this before we, you know, started airing which is that we get the summary number 
your 401k lump sum, here's your mark to market, you know, as of some fixed date, whatever mm-hmm. it would be, and then some projection. Do we need some better education? Is there some way? Well, my hope, if, if I could have, you know, if, if I could rewrite the rules about the way that we're, we're distributing information or education, I would say, okay, it we'd have a little bit bolder. And here's the assumption we're making in order to generate that, because we've got these projections, mm-hmm. which is today's projection or projections based on some average from the past or mm-hmm. some other peculiar kind of summary statistics in the interest of simplicity. Mm-hmm. We don't really live in a simple world. I mean, as of today's writing, you know, we don't have global central banks in uniform direction mm. to lower interest rates. We have a volatile world now. And, you know, as I like to say, 1.7 billion people are now part of the first world economy from the fourth world economy in 20 years. Mm-hmm. One And another 1.1 billion, not very further south, uh, being, you know, in India. So, I mean, you're talking about tremendously different from the past. Right. Can you speak to what what would you suggest to me? You can make a suggestion to me or and as well as to any person dealing with financial uh, matters and clients. Any idea how we demystify that in terms of like the assumptions and sure. how we communicate to this kind of thing other than some disclaimer? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, you know, you're right. We can get into the weeds easy. Right. So, you know, for instance, if I look at, you know, the factoring, right. You know, so how much money do I have saved? What does that translate into? Because social security, you're not necessarily, I mean, they have a table, but you don't necessarily see your total pay in at least my recollection. I had, I didn't look at my recent one, but the point is a lot of these assumptions are going to be based on what risk-free returns look like. Now you talked about the uniformity and lockstep of central banks. I'll only speak to the U.S. right now. <laughs> right. Um, but the assumption that was being used on my September 30th statement was 3.26 on a 10-year constant maturity treasury. So that's going to sound like gobbledygook for someone listening to this that isn't in our industry, right? So all I would say is that, you know, when people are investing your money, especially an insurance company that has an obligation to pay you if you've bought some form of annuity, and we both know there's an alphabet soup type out there. For sure. But typically speaking, the calculations that they're using on what that payout looks like when you make the, the investment is going to be based on the U.S. Treasury. And I I'm not sure if that's where you were taking me, but you know, to keep it simple, risk-free money risk-free return is typically speaking the calculation on annuity specifically how are we supposed to or first let's let's talk about the you've pointed out the function meaning the function of depositing then creating a lifetime income stream Mm -hmm. that's pretty clear why do you think it's this confusing like you said is it purely because of the fact that there's a hundred page prospectus or is there some other reason or negative talk? Mm-hmm. I find it very confusing that people don't understand annuities or are so biased. It's difficult to kind of, hey, given your situation, the function of the money is very important, especially what you stated. So yeah, yeah. you're right for Milliman, you know, like the advisor to insurance right. carriers, to insurance right, companies right. themselves, right. right? Not an actuary, not an actuary, but no, yes, I understand. Yes. But having I, some, I, I, some, you know, working with actuaries for quite a while, um, sure. absorbing a little bit. But I actually would answer your question perhaps through my lens of being in, you know, the financial service industry for much longer, um, you know, a major brokerage firm, a major investment firm. And also knowing advisors as well as I do, having done some advisory myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is that the industry came from that asset management mindset, right? Meaning I am training myself, I'm being trained to be a professional advisor for a client that says, I'm giving you money. I want you to help me invest in the capital markets, you know, whether they be, you know, public or private, you know, but the point is your role is to manage my money with me annuities in general 
changed that conversation because now we've actually put the money with the insurance company, right? Because the insurance company with, with some form or fashion, whatever type of annuity we're talking about is now the entity that says we're managing. Now, as I said, you know, most of the general account is made up of, you know, risk-free, you know, U S treasuries, right. You know, we, we, you know, there's a guarantee involved. So yes. the money needs to be there. Right. And I think my observation, Jay, with where some of the pushback has come from beyond the complexity, it's been that it changes the conversation from an advisor who says, well, now I've given the money to somebody else and I'm not really managing it. Now, variable annuities, obviously, there are you know types of annuities out there where you can you know have investments at the Absolutely. same time of, a, of an yeah. ultimate guaranteed income stream. But I do think that that's maybe in my observation where advisors have sometimes struggled because it's like, well, you know, if, if I'm not the person managing that money per se, then, you know, what's my role? And I think that gets us into the shift generationally where, you know, I think advisors that are recognizing the need of clients saying, okay, I need you to help me accumulate my money and, and you know, manage it. But at the same time, now that I'm getting older and I need to draw income from the, the account, now I'm needing more risk management and liability management combined. Yeah. And I think that there's your thing. And, you know, that's a great point that, um, you know, advisor not necessarily inherently wired, not necessarily. I didn't say in every in instance, mm -hmm. of course. So, is a consumer just left out to themselves? I mean, because it sounds, you know, if they're not being talked to about asset liability, risk management, asset mm -hmm. liability, you know, and I'm not talking about like, you know, at a big company, but, you know, your own household asset yeah. liability. Our management. personal lives are, are <laughs> an asset liability balance sheet, right? Back to the financial literacy training that I give. Um, so, yeah, we, we are a business, you know, in that sense. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think that there are numerous um, ways for, um, you know, advisors to open their minds to it. I think more and more are because they're recognizing this is the shift into this, you know, massive amount of, of not only baby boomers and this peak 65 we talk about, but early retirement. I mean, this is persisting. We saw last year the tabulations, you know, correlated, you know, whether that's right or right, you know, correlation causation, but there were excess retirements of two and a half million people saying I'm out, you know, I'm, or, you know, when yeah. someone like me saying, what am I waiting for? You know, there are other things, purposes and passions I want to pursue, but getting back to the knowledge base that I think consumers, um, you know, can go to, which is the pat, you know, meeting the passion that I have for edu consumer education is the Alliance for Lifetime Income. This is a not-for-profit that was funded by the insurance and investment industry. I mean, the members are absolutely have skin in the game, but recognize that there's still so much misinformation and, and frankly, hunger as well on the part of people saying, okay, I'm staring down 65 or whatever age. And, you know, I'm not sure how I get a paycheck in the mail every month. You know, I don't know how to do that. So I do think that there are places people can go, you know, to get, to get that education. But I, I think the, you know, meeting the advisor competency and curiosity with the investor need, um, you know, is, is where this is what, what I see happening more and more is that, you know, investors are getting the education, the awareness and saying, okay, so tell me how you're going to do this. You know, Jay, you're my advisor. Right. How am I going to do this? Show me. I think it was interesting because we first met because, the Alliance for Lifetime Income asked me to appear with respect to healthcare cost planning, right? Mm -hmm. One of the line items on the asset liability management of your household. And, you know, we spoke, you know, in a previous conversation, the long-term care, of course, another different element here. Is it your view, Suzanne, you know, if the world, if we made you the czar of everyone's household and uh, in terms of the plan, when's the right time to start this entire conversation because annuity annuity help for people newcomers who don't know anything about annuities annuities their value inherently increases by the length of time that the money is in that deposit in that mm -hmm. vehicle mm -hmm. right a structured product as all annuities right i mean there's if there's a guaranteed growth element to it then more time is is a greater value mm -hmm. you know lifetime income benefit amount you know that pot if you will reserve pot is what i you know call it in everyday speak 
you know, that guaranteed base increases with the amount of time to call to plan at 68 because I've just stopped working you know there's no time left so then right you know how early does this conversation information education actually need to you know how early does it need to start yeah well I'll put my financial literacy teacher hat on right now and say that most of the studies um and Anna Anna Maria Lusardi is also um, um academic fellow with the Retirement Income Institute so I learn a lot from her with her work that she's doing um in financial literacy but my point is that when the math skills are strongest, it's stickier. So, you know, the point is high school is a great time to learn about this. Whether or not annuities are something you want to learn about in high school, I, I don't know. Um, probably not. Most companies may not even issue for someone who's younger. But my point with that retirement concept of where's my income coming from and learning about these tools that are available, right? Because an annuity, like a stock, like a bond, like a mutual fund, an ETF, I mean, these are all tools to, to get your right. objectives. I think it ha- it begins to happen as early as your 30s or 40s. And why I say that is it may not necessarily be something that you want to buy now, but recognizing what what kind of instruments are out there becomes really critical as far as you're doing your building blocks. And we talked earlier about just this this concept of budgeting, right? And knowing that, you know, if I have, you know, my income is greater than my expenses, I've I've met, you know, I'm achieving the money happiness formula. 50% uh, rule of thumb goes to my, you know, my needs, you know, my mortgage, my utility, my groceries, 30%, you know, life has to be enjoyed. So that's my wants, you know, I go on vacations, what have you, 20% goes to my long-term savings. That 20% bucket or emergency fund long-term savings is where I want to school myself on, you know, how that's going to ultimately convert into income. Right. Because maybe you're someone who has saved it, achieved a lot of success. There's a lot of money and legacies, the real objective here. But we're talking about the average person that says, I know I don't have a pension. Social Security is clearly not going to be enough for me to, to mm. you know, afford my lifestyle. I've got to have these savings and, you know, your expertise around healthcare, you know, it's going to cost a lot, especially for women, but knowing what that looks like and putting a plan in place and you're, you know, maybe, maybe I'll say forties, but I still think thirties is a good time to be thinking because it gets you motivated. I think to save even more money and understanding compound interest, the eighth wonder of the world. Exactly. So are we, I think that we're doing a, poor job of educating that age division i mean specifically right i mean if you said 30s 40s barely and Mm -hmm. but 30s almost certainly not right i mean that high achiever you know your 35 year old suzanne probably Mm -hmm. you know well you had a technical job in this Mm -hmm. specific (laughs) i knew i knew what compound interest was all yeah and tax deferred savings let's not forget (laughs) taxes right it's not what you make it's what you keep and i know that's a passion of yours right um yeah we don't do we have good solutions as far as how to get the 30 year old the 35 year olds and reach out to them doing or is that elusive still Depends on where we, I mean, you meet them, you meet people where they are, right? So from that standpoint, I think that the financial wellness movement that I see, at least in corporate or, you know, work environments is much better because the topics Mm. are more varied. It's not just someone coming in and saying, this is what asset allocation is. This is what a stock is. You know, it's really talking about the goals, needs, wants, objectives of someone, you know, so college savings, you know, the topic that, that, you know, clearly is maybe, you know, maybe not on every 30 year old's mind, because obviously babies are being born much later. Um, But, you know, knowing what those goals are, and connecting to people that way, I think is the entry point. And I do think the companies are doing a much better job. Um, And then clearly with, you know, financial literacy, education, that CFA Society Boston, where I'm a member and an active member in the Financial Literacy Committee, is we get um, alliances built all over the place um, with adults and and high schoolers, where we get to come in and teach um, mm. and get people aware of of things, you know, because um, I think awareness is really what we're talking about here. Yeah, and and piquing sure. some interest, and in, you know, like if you learn just a little bit of this, it's going to help you get that goal that much faster, or more assured of reaching that goal. 
if I push us deeper into the weeds here, so you know, I asked to talk about you know annuities specifically, or you know, as far as complicated structure products, that kind of thing, and the negative spin from certain elements of you know advertising, etc. But now you're a consumer. You've got a selection. There are X number of companies, each of which is having you know. 15 different selections and inside each selection are all of these different allocation options. Mm -hmm. How do they read the illustrations, the documents, the examples? Mm -hmm. Is that, is it ever possible that a consumer can do this by themselves, by him or herself? Yeah, there's, there's, I think more and more, you know, back to fintech, there is more coming people's way, you know, online so that you have the ability to get some education, have compare and contrast. Um, You still need to purchase an annuity with someone who is insurance licensed in the state that you live in, right? So if, if Jay, you're talking to me from California, I'm in Massachusetts, you need to have a Massachusetts insurance license or, sure. you know, be able to connect me through the organization, online organization that you work for to someone, you know, that's licensed and also has a selling agreement, you know, because now we're getting into the weeds with all this jargon. But the point is that you mentioned there are lots of companies out there. And if I'm an online resource or an online company, I'm not necessarily going to have all the insurance companies as my clients, right? So therein lies, you know, another type of complication, which is, okay, so I'm with this online service, doing some education for myself, making some comparisons, but I'm only going to be choosing from the menu that, that that company has. So if we're in this sort of binary conversation of a conver- uh, of a consumer that's doing it themselves or an investor or someone who's with an advisor, I'm going to go into the advisor lane for just a yeah, second. Right? Sure. One of the things that I like about working with a personal financial professional is that they may work for a company that has done a lot of due diligence because one of the, the most basic things back to, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but really understanding the rating of that insurance company is critical. So much like we talked earlier about risk-free kind of, you know, U.S. treasuries, um, you want to know the rating of that company. Now, again, I'm not equating it to a government guarantee by any means, but the point being there are entities out there that will survey, you know, AM Best, um, looking at the, the viability of that insurance company. But your financial professional may work for, you know, a brokerage firm, whatnot, that says, okay, we have a whole team of attorneys that are going to look at all these companies and say, which ones are the most kind of, you know, vetted, solvent, you know, um, you know, we, we feel they're on very strong financial footing. So I would always say, make sure that that company's an A or better. Um, and so as a consumer, whether it's advisor or on your own, recognizing that, you know, that guarantee is is really what you're buying and knowing the quality of the insurance company on the back end so now what you have is you know pamphlets etc and the if you look through the illustration and the documents that prior to purchasing you'll get lots of different you know examples of scenario a scenario b scenario c from your perspective is any of this stuff valuable or is this largely just to pass the regulatory requirements mm-hmm. yeah i i you you asked earlier or before and i i didn't say it but now i will which is the only type of person i've ever seen who enjoys an illustration and basically an excel spreadsheet is an engineer <laughs> most people's eyes sort of glaze over now again it's tough to, it is. It's 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 really tough. And even if you are the best communicator as a you know a financial professional, it still just doesn't activate that that side of the brain that that's that's interested, right? Which is maybe an engineer likes that side, you know, all the numbers, but most people are saying, I just want to know what it does. Now, again, yeah. legally and from you know, due diligence and, right. and you know, being compliant, you 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 as a practitioner have sure. to talk about these things. Absolutely. But I think connecting the dots to, you know, and we'll keep it really simple here, but if, you know, yeah. I'm your client, Jay, and you say, okay, Suzanne, you know, I know how much, you know, you're, you're 60, you're 
flash forward, you're 65 and, and obviously claiming social security, the latest that I can, unless, you know, there's an illness um, is, yep. is advised. So not 65 or 67 in my case, but let's just say 70. All right. So we know uh, maybe I'm 70. Um, we know what your social security looks like. I didn't have a pension, um, but I have savings. So I'm going to, you know, run a projection and, you know, I, I know what you've said to me, Suzanne, in our planning mm -hmm. conversations is you want to, you know, you want to feel a sense of security and knowing that there is a check in the mail every month, that's not going to be subject to the vagaries of the market and, and withdrawal from, you know, my mutual funds, my stocks, my bonds, um, I've identified that, you know, your budget says that you need $5,000 a month to pay, you know, your property taxes, you know, your groceries, you know, just what it keeps to keep Suzanne alive, you know, your health expenses, you know, your Medicare. So what I'm seeing here is that, you know, you've got 2,500 from social security. Let's take that $2,500 hole for the, what you need for that, that guaranteed income each month. And we're going to actually carve out a piece of your portfolio to actually buy an annuity that will pay you $2,500 a month as long as you live. And, and there's, so basically you're plugging, you're getting a plug number, basically yeah. figuring out what your liabilities are. And then, okay, what's the amount of, you know, possible deposit into an annuity that would create that function? Sounds like if I, yeah. if I'm. Yeah. And I think connecting it back to this concept of we're in a meeting, you, you know, from a compliance standpoint, from being, you know, possibly a fiduciary have to show me the spreadsheet, right? How the calculations are made, how this guarantee works. But at the end of the day, fitting it back to what my need is. And oftentimes it is making sure that I have that security of knowing that, you know, I've got that $5,000, you know, coming each month, 25, let's say from the annuity. That makes me that that's Jay. That's what I want. You know, thank you for disclosing everything you had to disclose. But at the end of the day, that's my need. You you filled it by having the annuity in the portfolio and I get all my other investments to do what they're going to do. Oh, and, you know, in fact, I'd even add on top of that, Suzanne, which is that if you have this extra layer and I think I don't believe that this is actually in print. And I'm not saying I'm like groundbreaking idea of author by any means, but when you have done it as you have described, meaning I've thought through my income, I now have a plug number I need to get to mm -hmm. and have filled it, then your ability to take risk or accept different market risk is different yeah. for the, what remains of the rest, right? I mean, it changes entirely the way that you can think about risks for the rest for other things whether that i want to give it away to somebody else i want to leave this to my children i want to hit a home run for myself and you know hit a grand slam well you don't get to swing for the fences necessarily but now if you have these plug numbers filled in as you described yeah. okay now you can and very importantly in a market in a financial market that we have today we've mm -hmm. got 401ks minus 20 percent i think that that is you know a very good general number mm -hmm. if you look at the you know target retirement funds pretty much irrespective of who the the seller is mm -hmm. black rock fidelity the large the, the best of class you know noted best of class you know, minus 20%, certainly, even on a diversified portfolio, across a global one. Mm -hmm. But if they had the plug numbers, they could take the up and down a little bit more with more. Yeah. It's not fun, ever fun, but at least they could, you know, understand that they can, they have time to wait. Some other yeah. persons without that plug number filled in, they don't have that luxury. Yeah, And so it's... Yeah. And, and it comes down to, I think, what what so many financial professionals have said to me over the years. You know, I have an undergraduate degree in psychology, which I, I bring in all the time. Mm. I'm a huge um, fan and, and follower of behavioral finance. Daniel Kahneman is one of my kind of idols, you know, <laughs> in our industry and in the world by, you know, helping us understand these behaviors that drive our decisions, especially with investing and this wealth destroying behavior that comes out, like you're saying, in markets like we're seeing now, I mean, you know, fear and greed, right? We talk about all the time. 
this is a really tricky time for someone who is, you know, nearing or in retirement that says, this is it. Like, I don't, I don't have the capability or the desire to go back to work. You know, this is what I got. And, you know, the Alliance for Lifetime Income has done a value study. There are, you know, we couldn't even probably finish the conversation in a day about all the research that's been done about how we can be better both as investors and financial professionals, right? In thinking about the psychological landscape and you talked about risk, you know, risk appetite, and that's a critical conversation to have because, you know, I I probably shouldn't say this, but um, my father is an interesting entrepreneur, um, is still 100% stocks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and always will be hates bonds. Right. So, but everybody comes in all shapes and sizes. Me, I'm sure. much more of a, you know, probably moderate to a moderate aggressive investor. What does that mean? That just means that I have the ability to absorb a little bit more risk and the, the, you know, financial kind of fortitude to absorb that risk. And maybe it comes from, as you say, you know, I've got kind of the left brain knowledge to know that, you know, regression to the mean, you know, like, I mean, you know, what goes up, most of you know, what goes up must come down. What goes down is probably going to go back up again. Um, but it's that time value that we're talking about here with someone who's older. Um, and I think has maybe more of a, of a sense of, I, I can't, I, I can't live through this again. I mean, we've got a, a baby boomer generation that went through the tech wreck, went through the credit crisis. They see this happening, whatever, persists with our current markets. And um, it's just not something that a lot of people want to absorb again. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, somebody described it, put it better than I, right? Well, now I'm retiring and I, and I find the sandwich generation in a very, very tough spot, right? Because Mm -hmm. now, you know, the runway is shorter compared to when they were 30, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) You're now six. 60 years old you want early retirement now all of a sudden your 401k is down notably down and now also since the runway is shorter your path to filling that numb replenishing in the absence of markets which have to basically go straight back up in Mm -hmm. order and now in order to get back to where you were on january 1st of this year um you know your all of your resources and this is unfortunately the way that I mean, like you said about behavioral science, right? People don't find out that they could have done something about this 10 years ago mm-hmm. when if they had known that these tools even exist, right. which did exist, different flavors, but the mm-hmm. same general concept. Like you said, an annuity is not a new product, like no. at all. No. But the, so <laughs> the tool the intensity, investments, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, where you have this tool that had sat there And while people were, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid of, well, markets straight up every year, I don't need to consider other tools. This tool is my singular tool is the Swiss army knife. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, you know, we've got gobbledygook, you know, technical term, right? And now we don't have a good path. So tough. And, you know, this is why I ask you about the resources for other generations Mm -hmm. Um, and for you know, because the 30 year old, it's fine. 40, you know, like you said, reversion to the mean, you have runway. Mm-hmm. 55, six, early 60. Now the runway is notably shorter. You know, some persons, unfortunately, have outlived their friends at that age. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so this is going to be a tough period, I would think, unless we have some snapback, which I not sure without a crystal ball i don't yeah no my mine is mine is very cloudy right now i don't know about (laughs) yours yeah no no don't don't have one of those unfortunately um to look at but but you made me think of something jay which um you know and i get that we're you know depending on the day you know dipped but one of the things that i found interesting with um this contrarian view that I always try to adopt, right? Meaning that, you know, we don't want to be in the herd. Nobody wants to be a lemming, right? Um, So I always try to adopt the contrarian view just to look at it, right? Not necessarily acting on it. But one thing that I've heard over the years, which I do think is interesting, is that, you know, we always caution people, you know, buy, buy low, sell high, right? Or not caution, we advise, right? And not that I'm an advisor, but, you know, that's, that's right. a good rule of thumb. 
and behaviors tend to drive the opposite, right? Which is we can't help ourselves. You know, we're, we're going to track up and buy as the market's climbing, you know, because it's always going to climb or it's always going to make money. And, you know, we tend to sell when, when we're fearful and it's declining. The annuity and specifically, you know, in, in this lens, it's the variable annuity. I always found really interesting because what was nice about it is it lets you continue to invest but at the same time, whatever my deposit investment looks like, maybe, maybe it's once, maybe it's continual, but the point is, you know, my investment in it, that becomes my floor. You know, now, obviously, you and I both know, technically speaking, if, you know, you put in 100,000 and you take out 50, obviously, the floor is not still 100, you know. Right, for sure. Um, I, I can't think of any out there that would do that. But. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> in the old days, you know, if you adhere to a certain, you know, like limited withdrawal, maybe that that was preserved. But the point I make is that it's the contrarian investment often because when you're buying it, you know, you're almost like you want to buy high, right? Because it is risk managing, if you adhere to, you know, all the rules, but it's risk managing so that, you know, you bought high when, you know, the market's, you know, like, oh, I have this hundred thousand. This is great. I, you know, I, I invested 50 and now it's worth a hundred and I put a hundred into this, this variable annuity and I, I obey the rules of the road. I don't take money out, you know, that becomes the force. So if the market goes down, then you know, it's spot, still it's still at a hundred, and you know I'm in I'm you know in this case of the variable annuity, you know I am still an investor, you know buying sub accounts, mutual funds, you know, um, and so I I just always think about that investment in particular. Now I'm not saying we're at the top of the market. Clearly, we both know we're not. But um, but if somebody did make a lot of money during the recovery from the credit crisis, last crisis, um, you know, it's something to think about. And then again, back to, you know, it's it's a matter of what are your ultimate goals, right? Because if it is plugging this gap and having a lifetime, in, a guaranteed lifetime income stream in your portfolio, you know, that's something that I think is, is worth a look. How many steps does a person, they've watched the pod, they've listened to our a podcast watched this video there's okay now i'm interested to some degree how long is it going to take them to get up to speed mm, yeah do, well do you think? <laughs> yeah i mean okay so we're going back to the engineers um yeah. so maybe maybe not that long you know they like to dig through prospectuses and you know look at the ratings and all that and, and that? look at all the alphabet soup of annuities i mean you and i both know we could probably fill every letter in the alphabet with the types of annuities that are out For there sure. um not to again scare people but just to recognize that it's it's an array of choices and i would say that that's where you know, if you want to do it yourself, it's probably going to take a little bit longer because you're going to have to put the pieces together. An advisor, financial professional that is licensed and has done the due diligence, has done the analysis, the comparisons, I would say it's probably not going to take much time other than just becoming familiar as an investor. You know, what what is this going to do for me? Um, but trusting the financial professional that they've done the review. I think that that is super important, what you just said, which is that it's not only the professional, right? Because we don't control the pricing, right? We don't control the output, et cetera. You know, there's no, there's zero on that. But the real thing that you have stated multiple times here today, which is that the function so vital without that, you're, you're kind of nowhere. Cause otherwise then you're talking about, like you said, unlimited numbers of combinations of letters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it comes back to Jay, I, I, you made me think of, you know, and, and I'm maybe not invoking enough analogies here because the one that just occurred to me, which, which is, you know, back to, um, I have a car. I did not build the car. Um, I did a little kind of research, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I knew what I wanted. I live in New England. So I wanted to, you know, all wheel drive. I wanted an SUV. I like to ski, you know, so, you know, got gear and stuff. But the the thought of me going in and saying, I know I went and know exactly how this thing was made and, you know, the the you know, the the computer that's driving it and everything. I don't care. You know, I want this car. And I went to a salesperson that could help me kind of decide, you know, how you know what the extras look like. But the point being is, you know, I, I don't need to know I, I'm not an auto mechanic and I don't you know, I don't have to know everything, but I need to go to someone I trust. I have a question, and now you've opened a whole other can of worms, and I'm not going to you know, delve into every last detail. 
is the now you've gone to the auto mechanic and you've got a problem with your car let's just say you go to three auto mechanics is there a marginal question or is it just i like this person that you think that you're going to go to one of the three auto mechanics using your analogy sure sure i you know i think that um you know i want someone who has experience um you know i tend to be someone that that goes to the dealer for that reason you know i know that they've got someone that has been trained properly um you know they're backing you know what what work that they're doing um that's not to say that a general mechanic wouldn't be great but um but right. you know i think that there is there's something to be said for delegating Right. And and I know that there are people out there that like to do it themselves. And maybe there is somebody who likes to tinker in their car. But, you know, I'm someone who, you know, wants to have that confidence and security. Right. And I do think that having a, you know, in there in our, you know, bring it back to us um, in this industry is, you know, someone who is licensed, you know, I've done a background check, you know, I know that they, you know, hopefully have no client complaints, but, you know, but knowing, knowing that they are someone that, um, that as I'm beginning to build trust with them, um, I think that that's that's really critical in in the relationship that that you have with a financial professional. And you know, one thing I will mention, there was a podcast that um, that um, Gene Chatsky had yesterday in talking about um, with uh, Pam Kruger, um, who's run a CB uh, sorry PBS special for years on you know how to look for for an advisor. Mm. The Alliance for Lifetime Income, again, being a not-for-profit that's educating consumers, also has a checklist, uh, and Pam's podcast is there as well that gives you kind of some, you know, food for thought and what to be looking for, um, because some people may not have a practitioner that, that's licensed to talk about guaranteed income. Um, and so finding that person, I think, that, that has that experience is critical. That is the perfect drop-off point here, Suzanne, because I was going to ask you exactly, are there resources from the organizations you're involved with mm -hmm. that you're working in different roles to try to get persons on that path? I'm the body, right? I'm a single person, meaning that I'm a sole party, but I'm happy to share other persons with their way of stating it. So happy to have you, someone who has had experience and then also contributing to different You've got your own professional experience. You've got your roles with these other organizations and your perspective on complicated stuff here. So thank you so much for joining us here on Jay's Corner. Thanks, Jay.